0: And now, a faux-fiction audio production, published by Not-A-Pipe Publishing. Super Guy, by Kurt Clopton. Super Guy, the generic alternative. Less superhero hype, same superhero quality. Chapter Four Bob never enjoyed the first couple of hours after the deputy mayor had been to see the mayor, because his boss would sulk at his desk for a while before leaping up with his head full of new plans, schemes, and angles. Unfortunately, the most direct result of this was usually a bunch of new tasks for Bob, several of which he didn't understand the reasons behind because he wasn't privy to the deputy mayor's thought process. Bob chalked it up to not understanding all of the intricacies of city government or policies or administration, or spinning, lying, backstabbing, jealousy, cheating, stealing, and misrepresenting. Just politics, really. Bob wiped his clammy palms on the sides of his pants while staring nervously at the two folders on his desk. They had been given to him by the deputy mayor. He scratched the side of his rather large, thin nose and ran a hand through his short brown hair three quick times, a nervous habit, while trying to think of what to do next. The first file folder, the rather garish metal one, in his opinion, the deputy mayor had handed to Bob right away once he returned from his meeting with the mayor. The second file folder, just a normal blue one, the deputy mayor had brought out of his office after a rather shorter-than-usual session of sulking. He simply said there were a couple of consultancies that he wanted filled today. Emphasis on today. By, By who? Bob had asked. While he was an assistant to the deputy mayor, he was only a part-time assistant. The full-time assistant, Cheryl, was on vacation this week in Tucson. Surely this was the kind of thing Cheryl, or someone else of at least full-time status, would be assigned.
1: I'm giving them to you, aren't I? Then I'm guessing it's you. Oh, and by the way, the blue one is my priority, so get that done immediately. But get the silver thing done immediately, too.
0: That was all very clear then. Although Bob had never done quite anything as important as hiring consultants before, and it made his stomach a bit uneasy. At least it seemed important. Or maybe it wasn't. It was hard to know how vital things were when they were the result of a post-mayoral meeting sulk. At least the metal one wasn't as important. Regardless, he had to take care of them fast, and Bob didn't have any clue how to start. He had looked through both files, but the language was very bureaucratic. Essentially gibberish, only lawyers and Klingons could possibly decipher it. Not being able to even ascertain what the positions were, he was supposed to fill didn't exactly help Bob's nervousness either. He sat at his desk with the two folders in front of him, trying to come up with a solution. Then it finally hit him. Alice. He would go ask Alice she was an older red-headed woman with a motherly air about her who worked in the city budget office oh she knew things she would know what to do about this the very alice in question had been staring at things on her desk too things to do assignments paperwork tasks to complete alice was not a fan of said things which made her choice of profession a bit odd but she worked hard for many years in these offices to make sure She had fewer responsibilities, not more. Delegation was the key. In fact, it was her motto, really. And now was just the time to delegate. Alice just needed someone to delegate to. And a smile slid fleetingly across her face as she noticed Bob walking toward her desk. She didn't know what he wanted, but it was plain from the befuddled look on his face and the white-knuckled grip on a couple of folders that he wanted, no, needed something, and Alice was already calculating what tasks he could take off her hands before he said a word.
2: Alice? Bob!
0: said Alice, giving him a good show of bubbly excitement. The various piles of paper and files on her desk made it obvious that she was very busy, but despite that, she still gave Bob her full attention, this was part of her technique. She knew it helped to make most of her victims, Bob included, feel special before dropping work on them. Most people didn't realize the majority of the Stacks analysis desk were just old items waiting to be tossed into the recycling bin. Alice worked on the theory that a clean desk just attracted more work, and even if that method is working well, you don't have much to do, and you should still delegate as much of the remaining work as possible in case some emergency comes your way. She didn't look at it so much as ducking work, more like being prepared for the big project lurking just around the corner that no one else would be able to handle because they were already overloaded. She was thinking of the rest of the office. Really? She gave Bob one of her biggest smiles, in proportion to the list of tasks she had drawn up in her head.
1: How are you? Uh,
2: Good, Alice. Uh, I I just have a question or two on something the uh, deputy mayor gave me a few minutes ago.
0: He said, holding up the two files.
2: Sure. Fire away. Uh, d- two position appointments or uh, consultancies, I think. Well, uh, as far as I can tell, the, the deputy mayor didn't really say what uh, what they were, and I can't really get much out of the uh, language. Perhaps you might know what they are. I've uh, never really uh, done anything like this before.
1: No problem,
0: said Alice, taking the folders and flipping each one open in turn. She skimmed the top couple pages of each and closed them back up.
1: Nothing too complicated. This one is for the maintenance department,
0: she said, placing her hand on the blue file.
1: And this metal one is for someone in the justice department or law enforcement.
2: Okay, so how am I supposed to uh, find people for them? This seems really important. Cheryl's not here. I've never done this type of thing before. Shouldn't someone else be doing it?
1: Oh, no, no, no,
0: said Alice. Having Bob feeling overwhelmed wasn't going to get her tasks done. She needed to fix this.
1: Don't sweat it, Bob. These aren't as important as you think. You see, it's almost election time, which means all these things suddenly come up that have to be dealt with yesterday. But it's all political. The administration is just making sure they've done what they promised by running all these things outright before the deadline happens every election year, especially here in the budget office. Shift money to this, shift it to that, move it back again, forget we ever did that, burn this memo after reading. It's all just smoke and mirrors, basically meaningless a week after the election. It doesn't matter if the appointments are done well, as long as they're done. Chances are they'll dump the position later to save the money. It's all part of the dance we do at the end of every budget year and right before an election. So don't worry about who gets appointed. Just get someone. Undoubtedly, that's why the deputy mayor chose you. Because you wouldn't waste time. You'd just get it done.
0: She held out the folders to him.
2: Um, yeah, uh, so maintenance,
0: he said, taking back the folders and pointing first at the blue one, then the metal one.
2: And the Justice Department, Uh, that's what they're for?
0: Alice nodded. So did Bob, but less certainly. Alice could see he was going to need more guidance if he was going to be of any use to her.
1: Look, it's simple. Get some CPA for the maintenance one. It's just a review of their budget. Go over to accounting and find a consultant. They give them all the cubicles along the south side, farthest from the elevators. Find one who's already working on something for us and appoint them to this one too. Almost all of them do more than one project at a time and this one is small. Then for the justice one, find a consultant over in law enforcement. I know! I think they're having meetings with law enforcement consultants all day today over in Building C. Let me check.
0: She clicked her mouse a couple of times to bring up the calendar for the meeting rooms on her computer screen.
1: Yep, there it is. Meeting rooms A and B in building C are reserved for Justice Department consultancy reviews all day. The reviews mean their current consultancies are ending, so I bet most of them would be happy to take on a new project. So go over there, find one of them, and you've got your appointee. Just fill out the appointee page that's the first one in the file with their name, social, and employee number. Have them sign it, give them the rest of the file, and drop the appointee page off at Human Resources. Simple. The hardest thing you'll have to do is the walk over to Building C. You'll have both appointments done by
0: lunch. Bob's face brightened with obvious relief.
2: That's great, Alice. I've just never done anything like this before. So you said. I really owe you,
0: he said, turning in the direction of the elevators.
1: Oh, not a problem, Bob. But, you know, I could use a little help with something. It's a lunch we're having today.
0: She tore a piece of paper from a pad and held it out toward Bob.
1: We're having a meeting over lunch, and this is the order I need filled from the deli. That's over in Building C, right where you're going. Maybe you could get it filled and bring it back here by noon. Bill it to our account. The number's right here at the bottom. Thanks, Bob. It's a big help.
0: Alice plunged her head back into her stacks, making herself look as instantly busy as possible. She could sense Bob hesitate, looking at the lunch order, and then finally turn to go. She had wanted to give him more tasks, but right at the moment he seemed a little too fragile with those appointments. Besides, he'd have to stop back by at noon with the lunches, and once the appointments were done, she would be free to pile more things on him. He'd be so thankful he wouldn't care. Oliver could feel himself getting worse. He had just sat down with his lunch in one of the nearby conference rooms, but he didn't feel much like eating. The conference rooms were a good place for lunch because they were usually unoccupied during the noon hour, since the people important enough to merit a conference room for a meeting could go out for food instead of brown-bagging it. At least Oliver liked to believe those folks were enjoying extravagant three-martini lunches so he could resent them. Oliver couldn't even afford a brown bag on his salary, so he repurposed plastic grocery bags. Unfortunately, today he had only managed to dump his lunch items out of the bag before his motivation to eat anything deserted him. He had a tickle in his throat, a dull ache just behind his eyes, and very little energy. All he could think about was a nap that didn't bode well for either basketball after work or the project he had to finish for sergeant bolinsky obviously he felt worse about the basketball part he was ignoring his turkey sandwich and eating a potato chip here and there while paging through one of the binders left on the table oliver didn't have any interest in it but he had forgotten to bring something along to read and it was within arm's reach Sometimes other people ate in the conference rooms, but no one was around today, so conversation wasn't an option. Not that Oliver even felt like talking much. He was reading through a short paragraph about the merits of certain police unit sirens as compared to others. Some are really loud. And others are really, really loud. When someone stopped outside the conference room door, looked intently at the board showing the day's activity, and then stuck his head inside.
2: Ah, uh, hey
0: said the guy, glancing around the large room. His eyes settled on Oliver, sitting alone at the table.
2: Um, meetings, huh? Yeah, nothing but meetings. Gotta love them,
0: said Oliver, patting the binder he had been reading. The guy seemed nervous, or at least well out of place. He kept wiping his free hand on his pants or scratching the side of his nose. He didn't say anything, so Oliver did. My name is Oliver Olson. Can I help you with something? Oh, yeah, said the guy. He looked at the sign next to the door again, and then inched into the room.
2: Um, you are the, uh, uh, consultant here?
0: He said, vaguely pointing down, apparently indicating the room, or the building. It wasn't too clear. Oliver was about to say no when he remembered Roger's new position title from earlier that morning, Retro Consultant. This must be the guy dropping off the new project. Oh, consultant. Yes, the consultant, absolutely. That's me. I'm surprised you found me in here.
2: Uh, yes. Well, where else would a consultant be but in a meeting room for consultants? True. Can't argue with that logic. No, no, you, no, you can't. So, are you a busy consultant?
0: (laughs) Of course not. Barely have enough work to make it worth getting up for in the morning. Heck, by tomorrow morning, my latest project will finally be done. So, you'd be
2: happy to have another one? Of course. It's what I live for. Great. You're perfect for this, then.
0: He set a folder on the table and opened it up, pulling out a piece of paper.
2: Oliver Olson. What's your social security number? Oh, an employee number?
0: Oliver recited both. A bit surprised, since he didn't usually have to give them for a project, but he didn't really care. Just one more bureaucratic formality to complicate things.
2: Okay, excellent. If you could just sign right here.
0: He set the paper in front of Oliver and pointed to a line with one hand, while offering his pen with the other. Oliver took the pen, signed with what he thought was an appropriate flourish, despite feeling a bit under the weather, and pushed the pen and paper back toward the guy. The guy picked them up, checked the paper, and then slid the folder toward Oliver.
2: Well, that's for you, then. Um, well, that was easy enough. Thanks.
0: The guy stuck his pen in his breast pocket and folded the sheet of paper in half. He started toward the doorway, but turned back before he exited.
2: Oh, what's the uh, easiest way to the deli? Down the hall to the stairs at the end and up two floors. Deli's right there as you come out. Great, thanks. No problem
0: replied Oliver, watching him go. Then he turned his attention to the folder the guy had left behind. Oliver hadn't noticed it at first, but it was fancier than the ubiquitous paper folders that filled the office. This appeared to be metal, a sort of matte silver finish about two inches thick. It was the expandable kind, with a flap that went over the top and could be tied in place so nothing would fall out. The letters DSF were etched in huge type across the back, and also, again, only smaller, on the other side, in the center of the flap. He played with it a couple of times, letting it slap back against the side before flipping it all the way over. He knew Roger said it wasn't urgent, but the folder was way too cool not to look inside, and besides... It had to be a better read than anything about police sirens. Maybe if Oliver was really lucky, the project would be as interesting as the folder it came in. He'd owe Roger big time if that proved to be true. Reaching inside the folder, Oliver pulled out a bundle of papers, setting them on a table in front of him. As he did so, an object dropped from the folder, bounced on the table once and flipped inside his potato chip bag. It was cylindrical and made of a shiny silver metal, measuring three or four inches long and an inch and a half in circumference. And now it had salt all over it. Oliver brushed off the salt and examined the item more closely. One end was rounded off smoothly, and the other contained a hole, showing that it was hollow. On the side it had insert index finger here, etched in blue on its surface, with an arrow pointing to the end with the hole. Oliver stared at it for a second, then did what it said. For a split second, he thought he felt pain as he slid his finger inside, but the sensation changed immediately to cold, then warm, then somehow both at the same time, then nothing. Oliver sat staring at the silver cylinder on his finger, as if waiting for something to happen. He wiggled it a couple of times and tapped it lightly on the table. He wondered what it did. Maybe some kind of pointer device that synced with a computer. Had to be Bluetooth capable. Could be cool little toy. Eventually, he glanced around the room, realizing how odd he must look sitting there staring at his finger. Good point. He said to himself and put his hands down. He slid the metal cylinder off and set it aside, turning his attention to the bundle of papers. If all else fails, look for the owner's manual he said, starting to sift through the small stack. But just then his watch beeped, warning him that his lunchtime was over, which was a little annoying since it seemed his appetite was suddenly coming back. Oliver didn't see anything in his quick glimpse of the paperwork that gave him a gist of the project, just lots of jargon, policy speak, and words no one ever used in real life. He didn't have enough time to make any sense of it, Rather than aggravate the headache he had felt coming on earlier, he decided to take Roger's advice and set the project aside for now. He slid the papers back inside the folder and tossed the metal cylinder in on top after giving it one more quick examination, mostly for any remaining salt. He'd figure out what the hell it was later. You have been listening to Super Guy by Kurt Clopton, a faux fiction audio production published by Not a Pipe Publishing. Look for the sequel to Super Guy coming this September. This recording, characters, and the situations within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. If you wish to listen to more episodes in advance, search patreon.com then faux Fiction audio and sign up to be a monthly patron or stay tuned until the next week for your free episode. We will see you then.